All right, welcome back. It's another episode, a brand new episode, episode 77 of Racing News Podcast. Kyle is with us. There isn't a huge amount of racing to talk about. We're going to mention a few things that have been happening around, a little bit of track and field from uh, from Brisbane. Uh, you're going to take us down to two bays for a bit there. We'll talk a little bit about BUR and um, Tarawera, which are coming up. We'll go through Summer Goats. We've got a few other things to chat about as well. World Cross Country Championship uh, trials were on for Australia, but... Kyle, uh, 2023 is the year of Berlin, isn't it? The road to Berlin. So this is a new little segment, I guess. Well, it's not really new. We've done it in the past. We're just giving it a snazzy title. So the road to Berlin, Kyle. You're going to have to give it some German name, we've decided, because that title has been used, we know, but we're going to have to come up with some snazzy German name that no one's going to understand. Do you want it? Do you want to know what it is? What is it? I've got it for you. I've got it for you. It's Der Weg nach Berlin. Der Weg nach Berlin. So it's the the way to Berlin. I'm going to leave that intro to you each week. That would be good. So Der Weg nach Berlin. Kyle, so talk us through it. So it's it's a long way off, isn't it? So this is a big build. This is an eight-month build or nine-month build. I can't say I'm thinking about Berlin at the moment yet. But look, if we can, it will lead up to that in the end. But it's not front of mind at the moment. I am thinking about it. But no, everything will kind of build into certain parts of the year, which will eventually lead to hopefully peaking end of September. That is the plan. Yeah. So, okay, talk us through your, your program for the last fortnight. What have you guys been doing? Yeah, so we finally, I think, pretty much from like the new year, everyone seemed to return. We had a few weeks there where everyone seemed to either be away or not running or, you know, all over the place. So we had a few weeks mm. where it was felt like kind of summer break. Everyone had had a, a bit of a holiday, which was nice. But obviously it worked out well being that the new year was on a Sunday and then obviously starting fresh and new week. So we – I didn't do a session on the Tuesday, actually, now looking at it. I think I just jogged on the Tuesday. Or I might have yep. jumped in with Marty and Mike for a bit of their session. Um, and then the Friday we did a 30-minute progression, which was good. That was just kind of an easing back into it a little bit, which which was nice. Um, and I had the Saturday off. I, I went back and had a look at my my training leading up to, to GC50 and even earlier in the year, and I had a lot of Saturdays off. I think that was only yeah. like two weeks that I didn't that I didn't have a Saturday off completely. So I started off the year having a Saturday off, which hasn't actually ever run a Saturday since. But had Saturday off. We did an hour 45 on the Sunday. And I don't know about you, Tom, but the first few long runs back after you've had a break of long runs, that felt longer than the three-hour long runs we were doing <laughs> only a couple of months ago before GC50. I reckon I looked at my watch and went, oh, I'm ready to be done. It was like 55 minutes in. I thought yeah. this is not a not a great sign for the long run. So an hour 45 is currently feeling like what three hours felt like about yep. six weeks ago, but that's okay. We got through that. We had a good group for that actually, which was good. Um, and then <clears throat> normal kind of Monday morning. My Mondays are fairly similar, but I did get out this last Monday for an afternoon run, and it was my first run with Elsie and the Pram, which was good. That was right. exciting. Was my, that's my, my new strength routine. Just yep. like you said, you're going to start doing some strength. I'm starting the, the Pram running. Four so, sessions done so far, four four back out sessions. Good. Well done. So well, talk us through you're the Pram then. So what, what was the selection process for um, for choosing the Pram? Uh, that was all Kaylin, actually. That wasn't even me. So <laughs> she said, we're going to get this one. So that sounds good. And then it rocked up about a week later and yep. I've done a couple of runs with it, but it's good. I, where, I, where have you taken Elsie? My head, oh, well, first, the first one we started at Main Beach and we actually took a little bit of a, a trip up onto the trails. Thought I'd test yeah. it out properly on, on the first one and see how she goes on the trail. But no, she loved it, which was a good sign. Yep. So we just did half an hour with her on the Monday afternoon and I... I averaged five oh six. I was pretty, I was pretty happy with that. I reckon before I started, I was thinking I was going to be running like five thirties, five forties at the pram, but felt good. So I've also I noted during the week to a couple of guys. I can't remember if I said it to you, but I ran two in a row exactly five minute kilometers, and I didn't even have splits on, so I had no idea. So five zero zero. I thought that must be my like speed limit with the pram. Yep. And then the next one I did with it as well. I also hit five minute pace at one point, and that was the fastest I went. So I'm yet to break. <laughs> Five minutes with the pram, but yeah, still good start. So that was does Strava give you a um, you know, you know, Strava how it gives you a gap if you're running up and down hills. Does it does it do that for the pram? Is, is there a, is we there a pram about gap? This on our long run yesterday, I'm like, it should be like an extra like twenty percent distance or something. Like there should be yeah. a rule that I can put in pram run and it gives me extra extra kilometers. But no, you don't get anything for that. Unfortunately, there's not even a pram yep. run setting. I was actually scrolling through, going, surely there's about every other activity <laughs> type on here. Surely pram runs on. Yeah. But it yeah. wasn't, so that was just a normal run on Strava for me. But 
that was good. I, I enjoyed that. I don't yeah. know if I'll be doing any anything longer than about half an hour with it, but half an hour is good. I can, well, I can manage there's, that. There's a marathon time to beat, though, isn't there, on the Gold Coast here? Not a, a couple chance. Of, a couple of well-known runners. Did I was actually running along marathon. just thinking, how does someone run that that far with a pram? Not, not a chance. Not at this stage. I feel like by the time I warm up to it, Elsie will be too big for me to run that fast in a pram anyway, so... Adzi had a very good playlist that day. And as, oh, yeah. as the marathon got further and further on, basically he just listened to one song on repeat just over and over and over again. So it, it'd be interesting to do. I know you're, well, you've, you're going to have to do it in the next couple of years because obviously as soon as Elsie gets to a certain age, it just becomes counterproductive, doesn't it, to have a four-year-old, a five-year-old in the pram. So you've only got 24 months, I reckon, to get that done. Because what? Because we'll because yeah, the, the weight of the child comes into it. <laughs> All right. What else? What else have you been um, doing? Run, run um, us through the sessions. So on the the Tuesday we did some one k reps. So we did we did six reps, um, yep. and that was myself, Jack, Rob, and Lockie doing that session. Plus the others were doing it as well. But we had a kind of group of four of us, and the plan was to run about three fifteen. I think that's what Lockie was mm. after because he was that was what session he wanted to do, and we were all kind of happy to do that anyway. Um, and yeah, I think we ran around that. We probably got a little bit quicker each rep. So we probably did most of them around, I think my, my fastest might've been 308, slowest was 315 maybe. So I think yep. we progressed 315 down to 308 and that felt pretty good. That was my first session in the Prime X's as well, which I spoke about on the oh, podcast last yep. time. So I'd done an easy run. The previous Thursday I did an easy run in them and I was really unsure how they were going to go because I, I messaged a few people. When I first put them on at home, I, I nearly rolled my ankle just turning in the corridor. Like I couldn't believe how far off the ground yeah. I felt like I was. And then I did that first run, and I think for the first like kilometre, I was just thinking, there's no way I'm going to be able to run in these. Like I felt like I was running a technical <laughs> trail, just running down the concrete. Um, yeah. But I will admit then by the end of that run, I felt pretty good. And I've done I've run in them twice for two sessions this last week, and they felt much better running mm. faster than they did than they did jogging. So I wore them for that session. And I must admit, trying to run around the roundabout at Main Beach where we do our 1K reps in those shoes yep. was not my smartest move I've ever had. Mm -hmm. um, I had to tiptoe my way around that roundabout. So I probably should have gone the wide berth and the outside line, not, not the inside, but that was good. Um, yep. And then Wednesday, Thursday, we, we jogged this last week. Friday, we did a hilly tempo. Now, I'd said on the podcast to end last year and start this year that I was going to try and run slightly more hills mm. so this was my attempt to i yeah some hills you know i'll put that in quotation marks because i've had a few comments from people saying where were they where were the hills <laughs> i saw <laughs> that that was brilliant yeah a little what bit of a little, little bit of criticism coming our, in was good great run this morning and and aaron was running this morning and she's like what happened to the hills she's like i was all excited thinking you guys had done some good hills and then i looked at you run and you had done about 100 meters of elevation yeah that was brilliant but that was good. We did a loop out through our kind of Southport area, kind of just, and it's a perfect just amount of undulations where it's, yep. you know, it's not hilly, but it's hillier than running up the road in front of Seawood, what we normally do. Yeah. So it was good. Like I kind of just, we all settled into a bit of a rhythm and just ran around it. And they're deceptively tough to pace those oh, hillier yeah. hard runs. So I felt like I went out quite easy with it. But by the end, felt like I was running quite hard. Like I felt like I actually mm. ended up pacing it quite well, but kind of went out a little bit easier than I thought I needed to but yeah. that was a good little lesson then in, in pacing so that was good and we've got Josh running with us a little bit on some Fridays and Sundays at the moment which means we're lucky enough to have Paul taking some lovely photos of our group so I think there's going to be some some people getting awfully jealous of our our content from our group in the in the coming weeks because there's been lots of lots of photos yep. flying around which has been very good so well anyway, i did want to ask about it's come now friday sundays <laughs> i wanted to ask about this it was there was two things it was a crown fest wasn't it because there was this crowns going left right and center in your group and then also it was just a photo fest just it, it, it almost feels like you've done a big big ultra and you're just dumping photos day after day after day after day it was a, i was contemplating a little bit of blocking going on just to make sure <laughs> just for a week just to just to keep the photos at bay but no he's a phenomenal they're probably, photographer they're, they're gonna keep coming tom they're gonna keep yeah. coming so yeah. get used to it or you're just gonna have to come and join in then you can get your own and then you'll be all on board so you're saying this thursday we're going to be looking for a, a like a photo and a comment something like looking forward to hills tomorrow and a photo of you doing hills last week is that what's uh, going to be yeah, happening now probably, it's going to be yeah. like hilly friday photos <laughs> i'm just that photo is yeah. just gonna get reposted every week so yeah 
No, Brilliant. Now I'm thinking I'm going to have to wear some different outfits each Friday or Sunday. I can't just wear the same thing all the time. Got to get some. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Content. But anyway, that's that's another little thing that's happening for us in our training. But that was yep. Friday. That was really good. I actually really enjoyed that session. It was nice to run somewhere slightly different to where we normally do our sessions and hmm. it all felt a bit different, which was nice. And then Saturday, another pram run. Didn't label that one. That was another pram. Yep. 33 minutes, actually. So I've gone extra long there in the pram. So that was... Yep. There's my Saturday run now. Might be a pram run from now on. So did that, and then another another hour forty five. And I I knew I'd calculated this. I did have a look. Not that I should be running to numbers, but I did have a look before Sunday at how far I needed to run to hit hundred k's for the week, which I shouldn't run numbers, but I did. And it was twenty two point I think six one. Yeah. And it pretty much worked out that we got back to Main Beach pretty much right on an hour forty five at twenty two point six five. I think so. Got me 100k yeah, for the week. Two good sessions, good long run. So I'm off to a good start for the year. So I I can't complain. I'm feeling yeah. good. That's a, that's a positive start. It's a it's a long build, an eight month, eight and a half month. Obviously, you're gonna have other lots of other races in between, lots of other road races and things like that. What do you think you're gonna test yourself over fives and, and tens, or will you go a bit longer and do some halves? I'd love to do more tens. There's just not many tens around. Like I've kind of mm. looked at all the races that are on in the next few months and there's just like obviously there's the GC Suns one that's coming up just in a couple of weeks, but I'm not really I don't think I'll be doing that. And it's oh, I'd love to see you do that. <laughs> That would be an interesting. <laughs> that'd be that'd be an extraordinary double. The uh, the resolution run and then the the GC Suns. Um, the double. It's not on the cards at the moment, but who knows? You never know. You yep. never know. But it's another afternoon race, and we know how that went for me last time, so yep. I probably won't do that. But there's not much else on. I think at this stage, I still think I'll probably do Noosa Half Marathon in May, and then Gold yep. Coast, and then that'll probably be it leading into Berlin. If there's a ten that pops up that works. I may do that, but there's just not, there's not a whole lot. There's a Gold Coast running festival in April, but it's not the fastest course and it's not like it's a huge, massive event yeah. for deep field or anything where you get to run in packs or anything. So maybe something there if I feel like just going and having a <clears throat> having a hit out maybe. But other than that, might do some trail stuff. I know there's a few the short course races are on. You heard it. You heard it here. On, Episode well, 77, out, Kyle is saying out, some trail races. So we'll, We'll see if I can actually get myself into any of them, but there's, well, see if anyone's got tickets and they can let me no, know. But... No one's selling a ticket to you, mate. <laughs> Not a chance. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, that, maybe some chance. trail stuff. I need to get out on the trails a little bit. So, Why don't but you no. chase the cash? Like we, we talked last year um, in one of our episodes about prize money at various places like Mackay and Townsville and places like that. They've got phenomenal cash online how fast for 10K. The guys are there that go and get the cash, though? <laughs> Right, I'm not okay. going all the way to Mackay to come sixth and get smashed <laughs> by all the guys that go up there and get, and then yeah, yeah. pay for flights to get up there and not miss, you know, miss out on a couple of hundred dollars. No, I don't think I'll be chasing any cash anywhere, Tom. So I'm not quite. You'll, you'll, you'd come sixth and win like a you'd win like a physio gift card or something, wouldn't you? An, an hour's physiotherapy. Get a physio physio <laughs> I reckon. I'd get a shoe of physio cream. I'd get the other fifty-three that are in the drawer that yeah. you get yeah. from every other event. But no, that's, that's roughly roughly the plan. But Tom, with your training, everyone wants to know how many non-go loop runs have you done in the last fortnight? Quite a few, quite a few. I'm I'm, I'm spreading my wings a bit. I was that first Tuesday. I thought, what? Well, who's this? Like, what what oh, are mate. you doing here? It was odd seeing you, but not on the go loop. Yep. So, uh, well, go loop number is up to 181 now. So last Monday. I decided to do a, a goat loop before the before your group on the on the Monday morning. So we called that the loop and then the group. So loop and group run. So that turned out to be about fifteen and a half k, which I didn't. I hadn't even done the maths. I know what seven plus eight is, but I hadn't done that. And that that was actually quite hard to recover from during the day because it was it got quite hot. Um, but yeah, the Tuesday did the session with you guys, um, and then I can't remember what I did for the other days. A few few more goat loops and things like that. Um, I did a widowmaker on the weekend, so so three laps. But yeah, just getting used to not not hiking after. How is it? It's, it's about how many minutes is it? It's about six minutes into the goat loop. I think you have your first chance to walk. So doing the warm up with you guys on the Tuesday when we we jogged for um, well I say jog, we jogged for twenty we jogged for five k at a significantly faster than a warm up pace. Um, I didn't have enough yellow cards on me, and even if I had the yellow cards, I was too far back to be able to distribute the yellow cards anyway. So. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's been good. I'm, I think tomorrow morning I'm going to head to the treadmill. I've got a bit of work really early, so I might head to the treadmill up at, up at, uh, Kapuma, the gym up there and yeah, it's good. I'm just trying to combine the two of them. 
at the moment. So, but as you mentioned earlier, Kyle, the I did promise strength session. So, it's a set we've had two weeks in January, and I've done two lots of two weeks of two sessions. So nothing dramatic and spectacular at the moment. It's just I tell you what, the first one I did, Kyle. I've done a bit of strength for a while. The first one it was all just body weight and far out. You just you f you forget how unconditioned you are when you stop doing anything. Yep. So, um, yep. So slowly, slowly, I'll do two a week. Um, do a, a bit of that before I start putting any weight on top of it. I don't want like to go too hard, too good. early. Sensible, sensible. And then yep. when are we starting your Road to Gold Coast series? What, what, I thought we'd announce that today as well. When, when's um, that starting? I'd say that's got to be early April, you'd think. Okay. April, May, June. We can do that there. I'm, I'm surprised you went with that, actually. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you... Got you to bite there. That's good. Yeah, no, we 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 can do the road to the Gold Coast. So, um, yeah. yeah. So no, it's been I've been it's been good. So just 65, 65k, I think for the last couple of weeks. I'll try and do seventy this week. Um, but yeah, it's just it's gradually coming back bit by bit. So yeah, it's exciting yeah. again. I'm looking I'm looking forward yeah. to it. So Kyle, let's let's go around a little bit now. Um, it's not normal for us in on this podcast to go up to Brisbane and do. Was it Brisbane or was it Runaway Bay? The track series, Brisbane. Brisbane. It's not often we talk about track running when when you're not involved in it, but um, there's not a huge amount of races that've been on. But there was a, a 1500 and a, a few other events up in in Brisbane. So do you want to give us a quick overview? Because there was a couple of Gold Coasters I think who were involved there, and Lockie, who runs with your group, was one of them. Yeah. So Lockie's our newest member of Norths, um, and he's aiming for a marathon this year, but has done a lot of you know, shorter and track stuff. Um, over yep. the years, so he went up and said he was doing the fifteen hundred. So he ended up going up and running four ten for fifteen hundred. I don't think he, he said he wasn't overly that happy with it, but I think that's still a great run. I think on his Strava it was like two forty seven pace. So two forty seven pace for fifteen hundred still a, a solid run. Yep. Um, and I think he was sixth overall. I'm looking at the results here. The other name I recognised there was Daniel Williams, who was fourth. He was the person who beat Troy and I at Blackhall. Just oh. a blast from the past. So he has run a lot of ultra marathons and has now come back yeah. to the track and is running. He ran four oh four. So there you go. Oh, he wow. he ran very well that day because I think he's about I think he's maybe one year older than me. Yeah, remember at the time going, who's this guy? And he smashed us at Blackhall, yeah. and he's now probably faster than us on faster than us on the track. But that was good. It was like I said, it was kind of good to have Lockie in there, kind of doing a, some other types of races as well. Our group mm. generally similar distance last year or so anyway it's been very similar races and distances so mm. it's kind of good having someone to come in and have some different races to talk about and actually talk about track running and something slightly different because yeah. we miss out on all the goat loop chat that you guys get because none of us seem to run goat loops anymore so we're very you know it's just one race one distance so it's, yeah. it's we've got some variety now which is good well you are a long way behind now in the head-to-head -head goat loop you must be 101 plays 181 so i was just thinking yeah. that, that i feel like you only just went past me like a couple of months ago and you, i've got a, i've got the end. 200 i've got the 200 plan and then yeah who knows what's going to happen after that but yeah so it is interesting when you when you start hanging out with people who do other types of races isn't it and you, you kind of hear about their sort of mindset and how they prepare for races and what they think like when you hear someone say i've run 410 for 1500 and i'm a, you know a little bit disappointed with it but then when you look at the pace per kilometre, it is incredibly fast and incredibly quick. And what did the guys do who who won that event? They would have gone under four? Yeah, 354, 55, Far and 57. Yep. And there was, a, there was a 359 in the under 18s as well. That's still yep. quick. Um, but, yeah, good running there. So there's a few sub fours, anything under four for 1500s. Well, yes. to us it's full, absolutely flying because we don't run that fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll all want to go quicker. But, yeah, good to see. Yeah, absolutely. So well done to those who, who went up there. So, Kyle, let's now chat a little bit about um, Summer Goats. So this is the big one that we've been talking about. We're well into the last month here. It's What is the date today? 16th. It's halfway. We can officially we hand out. Who are we? Well, here we go. We can officially hand out some bonus points. Jack Gill, 28.54, is at the top of the leaderboard for this month. Came in on the twelfth of January, ran twenty eight fifty four. I don't actually think that was a single lap. I think it was a. I think it was a man maker. It was a double lap. It was. Yeah, and I think was, was that the, lap. It was a second lap. So just and yeah. unfortunately, so I know that Rob was with him. I'm pretty sure Rob ran that second lap with him as well. But Rob doesn't have Strava, so he's going to yeah. miss out on the points, unfortunately. So I did try to convince yeah. him just to download it, just to put that run up, but I don't think that's going to happen. 
So yeah, when you don't, you're not on Strava and you don't listen to the podcast, it's very hard for us to put you into summer goats. Unfortunately, <laughs> there is a limit. Um, so Jack, your bonus point there, and which pretty much now that he's sort of run everything as we mentioned, gives him the points, gives him the championship, and as well Dana Ma, fifteenth. That was yesterday. Um, yeah, that was yesterday. So Dana's gone out, grabbed the bonus point ahead of Catherine Grimmer, who went out yesterday as well, and Danny Taylor. They all three of them went out. So Dana ran thirty nine forty one sub forty. That's a good time. Catherine Grimmer went out 40-43 and Danny Taylor 41-07. Um, so I'll just go through. I'll go through the, the females as it stands. Fourth yep. is Sophie Snow. Fifth is Jane Halte. Sixth, Stephanie Wilton. Seven, Mel Haley, who's not... I don't think Mel is now the only female to do 100 goats. Someone else did 100 goats. Can you remember who it was? Ben went out with the... I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. We've now had two uh, females. Uh, Deb. It was Deb. I remember Deb's last name. Yes, I do remember okay. saying that. So Mel, obviously the first female to do a 100 goats. She's in seventh. Ricky Pring in eighth. Veronique Apps is ninth. And Sonia Palfreyman is tenth. So that's the top ten at the moment for this month. And if we go men, so Jack first at the moment, 28.54. Now, Kyle, this made me think about an interesting question I wanted to ask you. Off the top of your head, can you think of someone who's run multiple sub thirties in a calendar year? In a calendar year, it can't have been done. Well, here's the first question: Who do you know? How many sub thirties have you run? And do you know of anyone who's run more sub thirties than you? How well, many have you I done? I know that there's definitely been there's definitely been some sub thirties in the same year because Courtney went out and ran twenty six fifty five and twenty six yep. ten in about seven days apart. So he's done it. Yeah, I've done three, but so I think they were all different years. Yep. Uh, so well, maybe I maybe Courtney's the only one to do my, it. What about when I did my man maker under an hour? They were both under 30. That was on the same day. And Jack's done three under yep. 30 on the same day. Okay. Okay. So okay. Yep. So that that was my question. I did actually send that to Jack. I said I'd be fascinated to see if someone could run multiple sub-30s. Be like a Saffa Powell, you know, the 100-meter sprinter for Jamaica. He's got the most the most times ever Tens. under under 10 seconds. So I think I must have like maybe six, five. I think six. so. All well, right. I've got three, like the three where I had the records, and then I did the two under an hour. So that's another two, that's five. And then when Jack and I were going for those three laps, I can't remember if I got how many of those were under. So you think you've got six, okay. But you don't think Oh, of course you've done a couple in a calendar year for the man maker. So that's a couple of interesting things to think about, whether how many sub thirty someone has done. And how many have actually been done in a in a calendar year? So Jack's first at the moment, and that's the first sub thirty this year. We didn't have too many last year. We only had three or four, I think, last year. Off the top of my head, here we go. I've got seven, Tom. I just have. Oh, you got seven. Okay. Yeah, seven. It is. So Jack, start counting. See if you got more than seven. So, yeah. So Jack first. Brad Ed second. Thirty-one twenty-four. That's an exceptional time, as we talked about. Third place, Jared Snow. Jack Day's in fourth, Ryan Bolton fifth, Scott George sixth, Jesse Rua in seventh, Ben Deneen eighth place. Ben Deneen, he's made, he's at the That's... moment. That'll get bumped, surely. <laughs> he's got 14 days to hang on, Benny. You're in eighth at 38.48. Danny Carson, there's one. I said, I ran with Danny the other day and I said, surely he's, him and Brad are probably the two that you'd say will go under 30 that we know at yeah. the moment. Danny didn't seem too keen, not too keen, but too confident that he would go under. And I said, mate, and we'll get to that in a minute. There's, there's evidence there's definitely sub 30. And Will Kitchen hanging on by the skin of his teeth, 38.57 in 10th place at the moment. Um, so that's Summer Goats, where it stands at the moment for this month. Kyle, a few other things about Summer Goats. Uh, sorry about the goat loop. First of all, 9,832 loops. So... How many are we doing a week? Is it like is it sixty or seventy at the moment? It's about sixty. I swear, last time we were on, we did ours to this two weeks ago. It was nine six something. So I feel like we must be closer to a hundred. Well, I was just having a look that this there's already been eighty four people that have run a goat loop this year, and I know there's lots that are doing multiples of that. So I feel like we've probably yeah. had a couple of hundred already in the last two weeks. So we, I reckon we're going to hit it. How many have we done? It's got to be by, we've done 9832. It'll hit it in a week and a half. It could so be on we done... Australia Day. Yeah. Well, it's probably going to happen on Australia Day. So you're days. saying 86 and we've had 15, 16 days. So it's roughly, what? Um, what's that? 
Six. But five. a lot of people have done multiples too. Yeah. So, so it's roughly five or six. Yeah, I so say maybe that Australia, that gives, it's a perfect segue. Well done. Um, so on Australia Day, Steve Jackson's put something on an informal thing um, called the Goat Loop Guessing Game, where basically, I actually thought it was called the Naked Goat because they sometimes call these naked runs. So you run without a watch. Um, you predict you, you predict your race time and then you run without a watch and whoever's closest to the mark, you know, wins the day or whatever. So he's actually said, um, Steve, that you can use your watch, but you just got to put it either in your pocket, put it in your backpack, and then it's an honesty basis so you don't actually look at it. So, yeah, I think you're right, Kyle. We, it's probably going to be that day. It's, it could well be that day. That would be it's, wonderful, would Unless we have a very big week this week of people doing goat loops, but it's got to be. And then I suppose that'll be the if people want to be a bit more... Like going for it, they're going to try and get it done before then, so that they can. It could be interesting. It could be very interesting. In the middle of it'll be by the time we do our next podcast, we will have hit ten thousand. Yeah, yeah. So it'll have done. That's exciting. <laughs> Who will that get is it? awesome. Yeah, hopefully someone new. <laughs> we 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 love the people who support the the goat loop, but it's um there's a there's a cast of people that you think it, it'd be as much as we'd it'd be great for you to get the ten thousandth. It'd be. We want another Finn Baxter kind of moment, don't we, where it just comes out of nowhere and someone brand new gets it. So a few other things that have happened on the Goat Loop, Kyle. So as I mentioned before, Danny Carson is currently, this month, is sitting in ninth place um, for 1.0. I didn't actually spot this. And he, he mentioned it the other day. Someone mentioned it and we got talking about it. He actually went out and broke the new Frontier crown, which is the double 2.0. So two laps of 2.0. This is the thing that Jack Gill broke in on new year's eve he ran 148 broke the record danny's come out on the 7th of january and run 140 for two laps of the 2.0 that's phenomenal i think he said he pretty much ran them as as 50 minutes and 50 minutes it wasn't getting faster or slower so that's quick times kyle isn't it that's impressive again we put it in december on a course that's not really given you much you're not getting much back from the goat loop at the moment to run an hour 40 is there much movement in that Really? Oh, that's maybe a little bit, but not much. That's a solid anything where you're running that's pretty much five minute pace for twenty Ks out there, you're moving really well. So yep. I'm I'm assuming someone will probably hear this and hopefully have a crack at it and that'll start a new little battle on a different loop. But yeah, yep. how good's that to see Danny absolutely smashing it? And um he actually went out then on the weekend, Danny ran four loops as well. This is why the goat loop numbers were getting up because there was quite a few of people who I was sort of out there with doing multiple laps. And Danny's Lazarus actually got him eighth overall, so he's he's jumping on the leaderboard all over the place. But it got me thinking when I was talking to him about um, splits and, and the breakdown of the goat loop. And I, did I mention it in the last podcast about what you needed to be at the top of the, the goat loop? I know we have mentioned it. I think you did at some point. But yes, I think you did, but... It- it looks to, to yeah, through. it looks to be about um, thirteen fifty to fourteen ten. You've got to get to the top of the goat climb in between that bracket, and that'll get you home roughly in the time that you actually need. Um, so I think he's definitely capable of it. I think there's a few other people as well who are certainly capable of it, and hopefully by the end of this year, that whole page will be will be sub thirty. Definitely, we've been wanting that um, for a long time. So hopefully they can do it. Trouble. The only problem with that, Kyle, is that if if the front page is all sub thirty, it looks like sub thirty is easy, then doesn't it? <laughs> so it'd be nice just to have maybe just twenty four people under one person sitting on the edge at the bottom of the page who hasn't broken thirty. Ben Malby, permanently at the ben bottom. Thirty oh one. Thirty oh one. There we go. There's a bit of goat loop news. So yeah. So look for for Steve Jackson's um, event. I think that he created on Facebook. I think he put it up on there. It's called the Goat Loop Guessing Game. That's on Australia Day. That'll be good fun. Do you think it's easier, Kyle, just to run hard? I think so. I think you'd have to just... It'd be too hard to try and go slower than your normal pace. I think people have kind of got to go their solid pace and know what that equates to. Yeah. But, it, yeah, it depends how hard you want to go. That'd be good, though. Yeah. Good chance for people to get into the top 10 on the Summer Goats leaderboard. Yes. So take us from um, probably one of the most difficult terrains that we have around here which is narang at the moment because as i said it's giving you not much not much back for your effort to um a video that i've just watched here kyle but you asked me to, to look at was the world cross country championships trials australian trials down stromlo forest in canberra which looked like a pretty much a road race 
a road race on grass, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, it looked about very it. similar to our undulating tempo that we did on Friday. Just <laughs> beautiful running. But yeah, this was on kind of while our long run was on Sunday morning. So when I go back to the to the cafe, made sure I pull my phone out and scroll the YouTube channel back so I could watch the yeah. highlights of this race. So this was to to make half the team for the Australian cross country trial. So they were taking so for the World Cross Country Championships, each country can select six runners. Yep. Um, six male, six female. So for this race, they were going to take the top three were guaranteed a spot for male and female, and then the next three spots are going to go to discretion. So there was a couple of people that have put in for discretion that didn't run the trials that mm. are going to hope that they're just going to pick them based on their credentials and not yep. um, having to do this actual race. So it was good to watch. And, and like you said, Tom, as far as cross-country goes, this was the it was a very nice course. I, I watched, when I was watching it, they had the, the drone footage. So for anyone that hasn't watched it, go to the Athletics Australia YouTube channel and you can watch the highlights or watch the whole thing. And it dead set looks like they're running the whole thing on a putting green. Like the, it just looks absolutely <laughs> perfect, this grass. Like it's just bright green. It looks absolutely beautiful. Everything around it does not look anywhere near as green, but I don't know who was organising this course and has been maintaining it, but they're doing an incredible job because... It looks absolutely ridiculous how nice it looks. So they were very fortunate to be running this course because I yep. think the World Cross Country course is probably, by the sounds of it, going to be much tougher than than what this was. So there is a few hills in this, obviously, but um, obviously there's more trail runners that listen to this than road runners, I would say, and they are not going to think that is a very tough or very hilly course. Well, this 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 actually causes me a bit of worry because I think. Are they, are they preparing one like this because it's it's at Mount Panorama Bathurst, which is where the the cross country titles will be the worlds. Are they going to prepare something the same? Because I said off air previously that if you watch any NCAA from America, the cross country, it's all done on golf courses, so it's all very fast and and very flat. There's a little few undulating hills, but you know I've, I've, we've seen video footage from previous cross country championships, world titles where it's absolutely muddy and they're slipping coming down some quite steep hills or it's in frozen conditions, you know? So I'm, I'm hoping that they're not going to prepare something like this for the world. No, because well, I've heard, I don't know if you've heard Tom, but I heard a couple of the organizers talking about on the, I think it was on the inside running podcast. They had them yep. on talking about the course and it sounds like it's going to be a pretty tough course compared okay. to what this looks like. I think they've got sections where they're, bringing in like sand and they're going to have it as like a beach section and they've got to run through wow. that and then they're running through like vine, all kinds of stuff. So I think it'll actually be quite a fun course for them to do and apparently a lot tougher than what this one looked like anyway. So I wonder if they've I wonder if they've selected and made this course because it's obviously been made for this occasion because they don't obviously they don't want the athletes to get injured, do they? They want to pick the fastest runners and they want them to be able to train through this and and come out, you know, without any injuries or any sort of soreness or anything like that. So maybe for trials, this is could actually be quite a good course. I'm watching it now as we speak. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually maybe, maybe it's a great idea to have it on a course like this after all to to pro, yeah. you know to protect your athletes because we're not you know it's it's February, isn't it? So we're yeah. we're a month away. We're not far away at all from the no. world title. So we did talk years ago, Kyle, because it's, it's supposed to be a couple of years back that we were going to go down there and do a live podcast, but um, that can't happen because we're still full time. You know, professionals outside of running. <laughs> so the podcast didn't take off like we thought it was going to. No, no, no that's right. <laughs> we haven't been contacted by ESPN or Salomon to, um, not yet. Um, we're still open to that, to to do uh, live coverage from Southeast Queensland. But that's that's awesome. So I think down there they've, they've got um, an open event, haven't they? They've got the golden ticket. So it'll be wonderful to watch and bring some great popularity to the sport in Australia because it is a, a sport that most people do at high school and then they never touch ever again yeah i'm just watching the guy here the the cameraman is just sitting on the back of a, a lawnmower tray isn't he? he's got like a quad bike sorry a quad bike and he's sitting on the back of a tray like a like a ute tray he's just got the camera perched on his shoulder it's brilliant it's brilliant it's well worth watching all right um kyle so we've got a couple of races coming up in the next few weeks one very very local and one across the ditch which is probably the the it's one of the biggest ones that we have in in this part of the world, and I'm, I want to pick your brain a little bit about it because Tarawera is massive, um, and I spent a little bit spent a little bit of time looking at the results and particularly looking at the names that Tarawera has drawn over the years, which is amazing. But first of all, we asked a few Gold Coast people, Southeast Queensland people, who was actually heading out there, and we had a few people respond. So Aaron Robertson's going, Will Kitchen's going, Nick Bamford, Ryan Bolton, Amanda Craig, Reese Drummond, and Simon from Run Queensland, obviously who we talked to. So 
to those people, the best of luck. We'll be tracking you all the way over there in the various distances. But as I said, Kyle, Tarawera, you'll be able to give us a bit of an insight in a moment into the course and give maybe a little bit of advice as to how to tackle it on the actual day. But I went back and had a look at the names of people who've who've come out to Tarawera, and it's a phenomenal resume of names, massive names in, in world trail running. So we've had in 20, um, I'll go all the way back actually, the results go back to 2013, but they go back a few years earlier, but it's an Excel format and I don't have Excel on my on my Mac, so unfortunately I couldn't. What, did Kerry Suter win the first year? Is that right? He won the first two, I think. He's won right. it twice. Okay. Won the yeah. first two. So the biggest name that there is, Kerry Suter. But then 2013, so Timothy Olsen and Sage Canaday were out here. Sage Canaday comes back in 2014. 2015, everyone's favourite podcaster from overseas, Debo, Dylan Bowman, um, he came out. 2017, Jim Wormsley, Camille Heron and Ruth Croft. Obviously, Ruth's there a lot because she's uh, from New Zealand. And then 2018, Dylan Bowman comes back. Cody Reed, Sally McRae, Lucy Bartholomew um, goes over from Australia. 2019, Camille Heron, Courtney DeWalter. And then 2020, Tom Evans and Matthew Blanchard, who obviously did very well at um, UTMB last year. Um, and, of course, the, the people who were there last year as well. That's an amazing lineup, isn't it, of... Has UTA attracted that caliber? I've seen a few. I remember Tim Tofferson, Tofferson coming out, um, and Sally McRae coming out, but not so. For my Debo, memory. the year that Debo won the first time, which I think was twenty seventeen, from my yep. looking at it, um, fifteen. He yep. then went across fifteen. Is that long ago? Fifteen. He yes, it would have been fifteen. He went and did. I think he won UTA the same year. Like he yep. stayed out okay. here for a little bit or came back. Um, but like Rob Kras run UTA, that's a big name that's come across. Yeah, I don't know, he's not. He hasn't been so much on the scene in recent years. So there's probably a lot of people listening that don't know who he is. But for people that have run trails for a lot longer, last decade or so, he was a very big name in hundred mile yep. racing, kind of five, six, seven, eight years ago. He's coming out. There's been plenty, plenty of big names that have gone to UTA, but Tarawera always seems to just get that top quality. And I think it's just it's a good time of year for the internationals to come because it's in the middle of their winter so there's not a whole lot of racing happening in the states yep. especially so a lot of them like to come across and you know if they want a winter race for them it's the perfect one because it's a it's a fast race and they can come across mm. and you know it's not a big mountainous hundred mile where they're out there for 20 hours plus they're they're done in less than 10 hours or well under 10 hours for most of them and you know it's a yep. good holiday destination for them so it always attracts big names and this mm. year won't be won't be any different so uh, tell us a little bit about your recollection of, of Tarawera. For people who are going over to race it, what's, what's some key things that they need to know? Maybe they haven't done the course before or the, the actual terrain. So what are your takeaways from it? So I haven't, So for anyone doing the 50K course, I've not run on pretty much any, barely any of that course except for the very end. So I can't really comment on the 50K course. But the, yeah. the 100K course, I've run on that course four, four or five times, four times, I think. Um, and oh, it's beautiful. So like the way the 100K works, it used to start in Rotorua and you'd head out. So it's swapped direction. So the first time I did it, which was the year that Jim Walmsley won, um, we were running, we started in town and we, we ran out to the finish, which is where the start is now. And then you caught the bus back. Um, but now it goes the opposite direction. But it's just, it has a really good atmosphere to it. And I remember the, the first couple of times I went over there being so excited because, you know, some of the best runners that I've only watched on YouTube you're standing a couple of meters away from them at the the race precinct and, and near the star line getting to watch them run so it was probably the first time i ever got to see like these you know, people that you followed for years actually in person and running which was amazing but for anyone that hasn't been there like where the race where you get towards the finish in the redwoods is probably some of the most spectacular running i've ever done anyway it's just it's absolutely beautiful to run like the trails over there they look after so well like they're just if you think of like how many rocks are in Narang, I reckon like that's the entirety of the rocks that are in like this whole Tarawera course. Like it's yeah. it's beautiful to run on, um, and yeah, like as far as the the race itself goes for the hundred k, the the race is kind of broken up into a few different sections. So the first forty k is really runnable, mm. um, like open fire roads. There's a few hills, but it's all runnable. There's not really much you have to hike. And, you know, it's the type of terrain that you, know, you could wear whatever shoes you want. You could happily wear road shoes or super shoes or whatever you wanted to for that first 40K because it's it's fast running. And then your middle kind of 20K is a bit more, it's not hilly necessarily. There's a few little pinchy climbs, but it's more kind of single trail. It reminds me more of like a Binnabara type trail 
for, for people Beautiful. on the Gold Coast rather than anything just not quite as technical um, and just not quite as hilly in spots, mm. but it's just beautiful. And then you've got the one big main climb out of Okataina at 57 to kind of 60, 62K. That's the biggest climb of the day. Yeah. You've got a massive descent on the other side. And then the last kind of 20 to 30Ks is there's a lot of fast running in it. There's a couple of technical sections of single trail, but the rest is pretty nice open running. And then you, you get to run into the Redwoods, one last big climb, and then you run down the other side of that. And then the last about five or six kilometres, you're running through the the sulphur flats of Rotorua, trying to not smell anything and spray through your mouth because it stinks. Um, but at that point, you don't really care and you just want to get to the finish and you get to finish in town. It's a it's a spectacular yeah. race. Definitely one that even this year, not that I've been doing trails, but I was I was very much contemplating going back over for, but I'm not this year. But it's, it's an incredible race. Like I said, I've been over there, I think, four or five times and I'll definitely be going back again. It's, it's mm. incredible. So the the year that you went under ten hours, uh, twenty twenty, you ran nine fifty eight thirty nine is what they've given you thirteenth overall. Um, did you go out quite hard? That like was was the last ten kilometers quite difficult because your your paces and your positions are quite consistent through the checkpoints, but then the Redwoods checkpoint and the the checkpoint between Redwoods and the finished, um, it says you're twenty eighth and twenty third through that segment. So were you struggling yeah. a bit at the end? Was you just Ooh, hanging on? Pizza. <laughs> big time i was laying down at the checkpoint going i'm done i'm, I'm six cases going i'm done someone come and pick me up this is silly no yeah. I, I i do I, we did go out pretty hard um i'd have to go back and look at my splits but i feel like for the first like 20 or 30k i probably averaged i don't know 440s or 430s or something like we were running pretty quick but i was still back in i don't know 15th or 20th or something like i wasn't up the front or anything like that those guys were absolutely mm. flying most years the lead pack will go through the marathon mark kind of close to if not under three hours like they'll they'll move quick through the first half of the course so yeah i definitely wasn't going that quick um but looking back i remember that race and i probably should have gone a touch easier than i did but i felt really good like i said it's it's nice and cool over there you don't get the humidity like you do running through training through summer Mm. here so anyone that's training here at the moment you're in for a pleasant surprise when you get there because if you can get through a summer of training here and the humidity and the heat it's significantly significantly easier to run over there so it's hard it's easy to get carried away with the first couple of hours of that race because it's so fast and yep. so much cooler than than it is here and of course 102 kilometers as opposed to 100k so they they go through the they've got your first checkpoint for your race at pretty much 41k and you've gone through in 310 so you're absolutely flying yeah, so probably, gone, yeah. they must yeah. have been way faster than me then if i was i don't know what place i was in around then probably around 10, yeah, it hasn't it hasn't got you a place there. I think and was similar, the 50, it was probably similar most of the day. Yeah, and then the fifty-eight k checkpoint, you go through in five hours and eight. Eighty-six k checkpoint, you're at eight hours ten. Um, and then yeah, Redwoods ninety-five, you're at nine twenty-five, and then yeah, seven k's later, so nine fifty-eight. Yeah, wonderful. So I'm it is. Sure a, I, it I is. had a split for that Blue Lake. I can remember this. I had a split for that Blue Lake, and I'm pretty sure I had it as like eight twenty. It was the split I needed to break. To break 10 yep. hours i was like this is i remember coming through there in like 8 10 and going how good is this like i was feeling so good <laughs> like, this is great i'm gonna smash this i'm gonna be so far under this isn't funny i felt great i ran out of that checkpoint and like 45 minutes later i'm kind of sitting on the side of the trail <laughs> done and someone come and pick me up i'm done that's but brilliant it's good. i got lucky just snuck under it was good that's brilliant so um yeah so tarawera is coming up in a few weeks time there's i keep seeing lots of things on strava people training for it so yeah good luck to to everyone who's over there, the next one, Kyle, I'm just loading up my, well, I'm trying to get my other laptop to load up here, uh, is Biwa. But uh, my other laptop, which has got all my stats and things on it for Biwa. Well, you did memorize everything. It's not Word actually loading up here. All the numbers. Not actually loading up here. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to try and keep loading it, Kyle. You're going to talk us through. Um, what are we going to go to next? I'm going to do the Biwa preview. Talk us through, because I messaged you, Kyle, about the Jim Wormsley documentaries, which I've been watching and absorbing. So for those who don't know, so the Wormsley, Jim Wormsley, the American runner, he's made, they've made three little docos about it. And tell me the importance of crew. Actually, we can link this to Tarawera. What, what is it that crew need to do? Um, or what are some great crew stories? Or what's your memory of, of having a crew in, in Tarawera? What's, what's the, what do they need to do to get a runner in and out quickly? Yeah, so I suppose like these films, first of all, because this is where this conversation yeah. started from us and you'd message me was the third one that they just released this week was about uh, Jim's actual race last year at UTMB and how it unfolded. And you know, to sum that up quickly, 
you know, he was in the lead pack, ended up by himself ahead of, of Killian and Matthew Blanchard and the, the other guys, Tom Evans, that were behind him and off in front and then ended up having issues with his, you know, his legs and other things and basically kind of blew up and they all passed him. And there was some really good footage of him with his partner in the checkpoints and just, uh, and you commented that to me as well, Tom, but I was thinking at the time that she was really good with crewing him, just seemed to say all the right things to kind of mm. keep him motivated, keep him going. But you know, was firm with him when she needed to be, but also was kind of easy with him when he also probably didn't need someone to tell him to rush out of there as quick as he could as well. Um, But yeah, I think when it comes to to crewing, the hard thing for people is everyone's different in what they probably need at checkpoints. And that can change between people, but it also changes within the race. I think Mm. I I know for me personally, like I'm fairly calculated with where I'm going to be in the race. So Caitlin's crewed me for most of my ultras and I'll give her a, a fairly detailed plan of pretty accurate times of like i'm gonna be here at this point this point um and i've been pretty good at planning most of my races i know at kokoda they always laugh about how accurate i seem to get with these splits up until up until the last one for this year but that's that's another story um but i'm I'm normally pretty like i'll go through and plan out my race and kind of give caitlin my plan so she'll kind of know and i'll say this is the stuff that i want so for me when i get into checkpoints it's just having someone that one has everything that i need um, mm. make sure that I don't forget things. I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to crew because you're just not thinking straight when you get into checkpoints in the back half of ultras. You, you think you're thinking straight, but you, then you, you run away and you've missed one of your flasks or you know a bit of food that you wanted. So I think yeah. having a good crew that knows what you need but also knows what to say to you. I think some people probably crew people and just assume that they just need to be like yelling at them, trying to motivate them to get them out of there and be all positive. And that's not what some people want. It's what other people love. So mm. it, it's a tricky one to balance. And hence why you probably need someone crewing you that knows you reasonably well to know when to try and push you and when not to, and know, knowing what to say is the, the best thing. So it's tricky, but it was, if anyone that hasn't watched the video, like go and watch it and watch how they kind of interact in the checkpoints. Cause it was a really good video for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if anyone hasn't, definitely check it out. It's it's very interesting, isn't it? Because you you don't often get that microphone. We, you've seen people, inter, professionals, interact with their crew, whether it be their family or whether it be their sponsors or coaches, and you see you know them actually interacting. But you never get that camera that's pretty much or the microphone, sorry, that's on the people, and you actually hear what they say to each other. And it's it's very like intimate. And it's very very personal, and it's very grounding. Like. You, you assume that this guy is got everything in control, and that that he's. I, I guess you just assume he's not going to be like us in checkpoints. But the the video doesn't show that. The video shows shows that he did, he sounds like a normal amateur runner. Like he says at one point, "I don't think I can hold them off," and he looks like he's about to break into tears. And she just says, "Just do your best. That's that's all you can do. Just do your best." And at one point, she he tries to sort of talk in a negative way and she just cuts it down straight away and just goes okay let's regroup that's just so it's it's we only get a little bit of audio but it's really interesting and it made me think about the couple of longer ultras that i've done and the first year that i did the ultra it was a bit like a party and every time i got to the checkpoint we'd Therese and i'd have a big conversation and a big chat and you know how's it all going and it was it you know it was it was very very amateurish and i think the second year when i went back down there i, I said to her beforehand whatever I talk about, if I talk about if I'm struggling or if I'm hurt, don't engage me with it. Just don't don't even enter into the conversation. And like you, Kyle, I had checkpoint times and I had the food and the gear that I wanted and I made it very, very explicit to her that she was not to give me Coke until 80 kilometres. And I think I mentioned this a year and a half ago after the race, but I tried to ask for Coke. I think it, as I was running through Gordon's Fall, which wasn't even a checkpoint, and she just refused to give it to me and said, no. And I said, look, I really need the Coke. Like, I'm desperate for it. She said, no, you told me 80 kilometers. You're getting it at 80, you're not getting it any moment beforehand. And it was it was perfect because, you know, when you are, when you do plan out your checkpoints, you're doing that in a sane mind, aren't you? You're probably sitting on the couch and you probably are thinking a little bit better than what you do in a race. And sometimes in a race, you you go for stuff or you dig for stuff that maybe isn't the best you think you want it at the moment um so yeah so yeah if you haven't watched the warmsley videos apart from anything it shows his move to france and it shows how his life changes and his approach to training training for utmb and it's it's wonderful wonderful piece of footage and as i said it just got me thinking about checkpoints and crew and things like that so whoever's crewing at tarawera for those people have the conversation <laughs> when do they want the when do they want the good stuff when do they want the sugar when do they want the coke what do you do? Do you drag them out of the chair? Do you give them tough love? Because sometimes, as you said, Kyle, it's it's just a bit like 
just random stuff, isn't it? You, d- you don't know what's going to work. You don't know what's going to get the person up. And also, it's funny. I, I was just thinking when you were saying that, Tom, there's also times when it's kind of good that they're not there. Like that, that last checkpoint for yeah. me at Tarawira when I was just laying on the ground, there was just <laughs> someone like no one was like, near me and one of the volunteers walks over and is like, oh, do you want some water or something? I was like, oh, no, I'm fine. And then no yeah. one else was around. So I was like, oh, well, I better get up and start running then because no, one, yeah. no one's coming over. So that was yeah. perfect. If my crew was there, I probably would have said, no, nah, I'm out and, and stopped. Yeah. So, there was also a good time just when you don't want anyone to say anything and you need to just get going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. My laptop is loaded here. Uh, my other laptop. So beer wire is coming up. I've managed to uh, grab myself a half marathon ticket. So it's my first race of the year. I'm looking forward to it. So the headlamp, I better charge the headlamp better than I did for my goat loop um, earlier this week when I did a 4.30 goat loop, Kyle. That's, yeah. We, we, named that, we named that one committed goats. Um so I need to charge the headlamp for the BOR at night because the half marathon pretty much starts at, at sunset. So I've got a few stats here for you, Kyle, a bit of an overview of the past few years. Uh, the first race, actually, 2015 was the first BOR at night race. It was actually a 50K race. I think it was a 50 and a 30. So those times are a little bit out. And then it changed to the standard distances that we have at the moment. Again, if we, I'm going to go through the female winners. There's some some big names here that we've had in, in southeast Queensland Running 2016, Jody Oborn wins. I'm just doing the marathon distance here. Um, in 2017, Megan Coffey. In 2018, Megan Sleswick. 2019, Carol Robertson. Uh, she ran 428. In 2020, Cecilia Mathis runs in 424. And then in 2021, Hayley Teal wins in 403. And that's the quickest time that I could find for the females. And then last year, Carol Robertson wins in 441. So... Yeah, 4.03 is the time to beat. That was Haley's time a couple of years back. And I actually broke the times up into first half and second half as well to see what that kind of difference is. And it looks, for most of the winners, it looks like the difference between your first half and your second half can only be about 15 minutes. So, like, Haley comes through in 1.54. She runs 2.09 for the second um, half marathon. Cecilia does something similar. She runs 2.06 and then runs 2.18. So it's about that. 10, 12, 15 minutes, anything bigger than that, and you, you're kind of moving into second. If it then go into the males, so 2016, Andy Churchman runs 347. Um, in 2017, Via Cheslev Tedov in 358. In 2018, Jason uh, Machtlow wins in 423. Pat Nis- Nisball wins 2019 in 344. 2020, Ryan Crawford wins in 349. 2021, what a race this would have been. Dan Simmons first, 333. Kieran O'Brien was second, 353. Dan Simmons' time there is the fastest one. And last year, Sam Stowe in 353. So clearly there, you've got to go sub four at BOR at night to to win. And again, the difference for most of the winning times is about that 10 minutes, roughly 10 minutes between first half and second half. So they're going out quicker. Not many people are negative splitting on the trail course. I think you go one direction um, and then you come into the checkpoint and then you reverse and go the other way. So obviously the second half, apart from fatigue, might be a little bit slower as well. Mm-hmm. So there we go. So 4.03, Haley's time for the females, that's to beat. And for the men, you've got to go under four hours. It's only been, how many times has someone gone over four hours and won it? Or just once in 2018. Uh, pretty close race that year. 4.23, 4.24, 4.25. So... There's the BOR at night, Kyle. I'm going to put it out there and say I'm going to go. I'm trying to go sub two for the half marathon. I like it. Very good. So, yeah. Exciting. Hopefully. We'll see Exciting. how it goes. I'm still unsure about the shoe. My last trail race I did was the Nogra. And I decided I took. <laughs> remember the Nogra short course? It was raining and I took a road shoe up and yep. just had a diabolical well. decision. So, I've picked up a, a pair of Hokas, um, a Fartes, I think they're called. I think they're hoping the Fartes, speed threes. So maybe that's the shoe I'll, I'll take up there because it can get a bit slippery, BOR, when yep. if there's a little bit of rain around like there has been. Um, so it could be a little bit slippery up there. So there we go. Kyle, where do we – should we chat about now? Have we covered everything? I think we have. I think I'm trying to think what else we had left. Strava. Yeah, that was that was the other thing Strava. that's been brought to our attention this <laughs> week and I just been investigating on this week. So, um, yeah, there's been – so apparently – Strava's going to be increasing its prices, but they haven't actually released anything 
about it other than <laughs> they're just charging people more now for their yeah. people get a little email saying oh your subscription's about to expire and your new one's going to be yeah. coming in and it's just here's the price um so i think there's going to be some backlash because i know a few of the kind of a lot of like the gear reviewers and people that are, you know have to work with Strava a little bit have been trying to get some information out them out of them about what's going on and it seems to be different in different countries and it's a bit all over the place and yeah. they're not really releasing any information or any actual prices yet but i saw one of them actually went through and just had a vpn on their computer and just went through and started trying to make accounts pretending they were in every different country and checking what the prices were. Oh, right. And then they posted kind of a chart of, of what all the different prices were. So I think on their one, it said the Australian one's going to go from, I think mine's about $80, $82 at the moment, up to 95 or so. It's yeah. actually not as much. But then there was other ones that were like people in certain countries that were doing the monthly one was nearly doubling. So who knows what's going on with Strava. But at the end of the day, I think you- I've said this before, I, I use it more than pretty much any other app I'd probably happily pay <laughs> Yes. a little bit more use all its features anyway it doesn't really bother me well that was going to be my question how how much do you use the features outside of pure curiosity no i like the building being able to build the roots and have them come straight across to my watch and things and i'm pretty sure you can only do on the the subscription yep. and stuff i do occasionally um but no, i i feel like i use and even just some of like the workout analysis and features that you get for having a subscription being able to see all the right splits and everything on yep. people's sessions, you get that for being a subscriber yep. as well. Plus all the segment leaderboards that I just find it fun to follow. Yeah. And I wouldn't Plus, want to lose access to those. I'd be constantly texting someone going, can you just tell me who's more place at this leaderboard, please? And so and then plus the, the the fitness score as well. Let's not forget about that. That's, well, that's well, crucial. Now that you say that, I might actually just let mine last. <laughs> get rid of that. Yeah. So last week, not happy with uh, Strava for the fitness score. This week, loving them. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of good features on there, isn't there? And this, and, and for me, I've, most of it is curiosity because yeah, you love to look at the, the, the leaderboards and look at the maps and look at the heat maps and look at all those kind of things. But yeah, it's, uh, I still think it's a pretty good, pretty good product for the amount that we're paying when you, when you look at it over the course of a year and you look at it, how many training sessions you do and stuff like that. So yeah, hope that, that being said, hope, hopefully the price rise isn't, isn't too much. Um, all right, so what do we got coming up then in the next fortnight? That's going to take us through to pretty much the start of February. Summer goats will be done. The um, the goat loop guessing game is on Australia Day, as we said. Um, beer wars. Too much stuff happening. That. Beer wars all oh. happening, and then the the Gold Coast Suns run, the GC yep. Suns run, is on the week after. I think we'll record the next one. Hmm. We've definitely got the ten thousandth goat loop coming up in the next fortnight. That will happen. Oh. We're going to have to try and work out a way to see if we can catch who it is because if it happens during that Australia Day one, it could make it very tricky to work out who gets it. We're going to have to get myself or you down there with the clicker, Tom. Just with the clicker. People at the gate. Yeah. I have to yep. find that. It, find it. It's in a box somewhere. I did see it the other day, so I've still got it. It's still on the number from, from Goat Mania. I haven't actually turned it back to zero yet. I think it's oh, still on. yeah. Take a photo. 300 and 396 or something, whatever we got. Yep. I've never changed it, so... Should frame that. That should go up on your little video on thing on the wall up there about the goat loot, Tom. I think that's a good idea. It, should give it give you the clicker. Um, Scott George is heading for five hundred this weekend as well, so he'll do five hundred. Um, I know Tom Moore who runs with Ben quite often. He's doing a hundred tomorrow. I think he's doing his hundredth loop tomorrow. So a lot of big numbers coming up there. Um, but apart from that, I think that's it. I, I think there's a couple of AAA races. The go figure, I think, is early February. The SEQ series sort of kicks back um, in early February. March is kind of I think Float With Dirt begins in March. That's that sort of time. So obviously Tarawera around there. So we'll cover them as much as we possibly can. But that's about it, Kyle. Anything anything else before we uh, we wrap this up? No, I think it's it's been a good start of the year. Obviously, we haven't had much racing on yet. But yep. I know that we always say that there hasn't been much racing. And then we'll be one or two episodes later and there'll be too much racing. We'll be on here talking <laughs> for two hours about every detail yep. of every race. So... No, it's good. I'm looking forward to the year. It's going to be a good year. Races are going to start coming thick and fast. Yep. All right, mate. Well, enjoy the week. Enjoy your, well, hills. We're calling it hills. Hills on Friday, whatever that is. We've got to, it's got to be 200. I don't think that's going to be, I don't think that's going to be every week, Tom. I think that might be a a once a month thing for us. Oh, right. Okay. I thought it was dipping our our toes into the, dipping our toes into the hills. Friday hills. Uh, Well, we look forward to the Instagram updates pre-Friday Hills, post-Friday Hills, you know, throwback photos and all those kind of things. So, um, yeah, have a good week of training or fortnight of training, mate, and we'll we'll catch up in a fortnight.
Sí, sí, 